Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Conf T with URSC. I am your host, Brian Young. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Tom Porto. How are you, sir? I am very well, Brian. How are you? Can't complain. Notice you're no longer building a snowman in the background. You're in your uh, your new office now. I know. I've, I've stepped up in the world and no longer am, you know, playing with dolls in between meetings. So uh, it's good. Are, are you, are you though? Like, I, yeah, I have I a brought feeling. A couple, I brought a couple down. I didn't want to feel left out. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And for those who have been uh, keeping keeping close tabs on us lately, you'll notice a familiar face, Mr. Keith Manville, who has joined us again. Oh, this is your third episode. You're right. Third yes. time here. Thanks for Three having P. me. And second time within like, I don't know, a month or two. Like this is uh, it's impressive. Very cool. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Now you just got a, uh, I just saw an email come across my desk about you today. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> depends on what email it was, right? So uh, yeah. you just, yeah, your time, your time is up. Your last day is next week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Email's not working for me anymore either. So something's up. <laughs> I was wondering why your video resolution just dropped there all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, we're, we're pulling the plug. No. So uh, Keith, you just got a, a new role. I, I heard. I um I'm moving into a um a more security generalist space rather than focusing on one product. Nice. Congratulations. Well deserved. And to uh <clears throat> to add to that, we have the one and only Mr. Mike McPhee, who has always been a security generalist, always moving up in the world, always doing something something crazy. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to see Keith moving into that role. So Nice. Mostly because I get to bag him with all of my <laughs> previous projects. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy, indeed. So, Mike, this is your second show. You were on. Oof, you were on pretty early. I think. Uh, I don't like know if it was a single digit. five or something. Yeah. yeah, it was early on. Early on. So, and you've been busy, so we haven't been able to get you back on. So, <laughs> I'll just blame you for that. Busy or useless, one of the two. So, <laughs> hey, why, why not be both? Why not? So this was actually Keith's idea. We wanted to do an episode on the MITRE ATT&CK framework. And I figured, you know what? That's a great topic to discuss because it's something that, you know, while I'm I'm sure I've danced around it enough times in my presentations with customers and and, and talked about it briefly, giving the opportunity to deep uh, deep dive into it, I think was uh, was a good idea. So Let's just start, and I'll, I'll start with you, Keith, since was, this was your idea. We can kind of bounce around and, of course, interject as as needed. Um, why don't we just start with, okay, what is the MITRE ATT&CK framework? So let's start with um, thinking about attackers and and kind of um, what, what they're doing. And, um, well, first of all, MITRE is, um, is a nonprofit. It's a it's a company, right? And uh, they've created this um, this archive or this catalog, as I think of it, um, of attacker behavior. And what's great about that is um, we can understand what our adversaries are are doing. Typically, do uh, of course this evolves, and so it needs to, you know needs to be updated over time. But we we can right. get a picture into um, the types of behaviors that uh, these attackers are going to uh, use against us. So I think that's, that's where I would start with, you know, what exactly is it? It's a, it's a catalog of, of behaviors specifically. It breaks it down to uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures. 
Very cool. Now you, you mentioned that it's if it has to be ever evolving, right? So this is really kind of a ten thousand foot overview of kind of A to B, right? They're, they don't get into much into specifics because those specifics always change, right? So I think what are we on version nine right now, Mike? Yeah, just released version nine. Just released yep. version nine. So um, you'd be surprised though they. They do a great deal of um, of work to actually get down to specifics. Um, again, down to the techniques, the, the mm. specific um, techniques that attackers are using. How how are they how are they gaining access to your systems typically? And then what's great about that is we can um, well first of all we can test against those types of techniques to understand if we are protected against something. Um, and we can design our defenses around the MITRE ATT&CK framework as well. Nice. So the so the MITRE is an organization, and what what makes this up? And now is this is this just an organization, or is this like a coalition? Is this is this a voluntary thing, or is it, what what is it? I got it. I hit one no, of those. Gonna, I'm handing that one to Mike. That's my handoff. Oh, oh Mike, that's you. <laughs> Yeah, yes. so, so Mitre is actually stuff to me, so I can hand stuff to him now. There we go. There you go. All right, here's Love how it goes. But no, so yeah, I mean, Mitre's been actually doing a lot of. Uh, they're not for profit. That's really structured around helping U.S. government, whether it's on the defense side of things, energy, what have you, to to figure things out to solve problems. And so you know, they're made up of a few different chunks of the organization there. But one of the big focuses for them has been cybersecurity. So if you're familiar with the, you know, common vulnerabilities and exploits or enumerations or whatever you want to call it, CVEs, mm -hmm. uh, that, that whole database was actually stood up by MITRE. And, you know, they're really contracted by the government and its many entities to tackle certain problems. And so uh, when you know, the government's got a unique position in that a lot of times they're involved in some of these incident response events, you know, whether it's through CISA or through U.S. CERT or through, you know, one of the agency's own incident response organizations. And MITRE has been called in to help with those over the years. Uh, they provide a great academic center of excellence when it comes to cybersecurity that uh, provides a lot of analysts and a lot of horsepower that, you know, for-profit companies wouldn't be motivated to share. And what MITRE did was they built this database, this common knowledge database out to actually help people make use of all the stuff that is public domain, all the different incident response reports and stuff, and bring it together so that we can all benefit from it. And so this is usually the domain of massive enterprises that have, you know, security researchers, you know, and SOCs and all that good stuff. But what they've done is really democratize cyber threat intelligence so that everybody can benefit from it. And so it, you know, it's, it's really, uh, they're out there kind of helping the U S government or, or NATO, you know, allies champion the cause of, Hey, let's, you know, sharing is caring. Let's everybody get on the same page and understand what the adversaries are doing to us. And that's really what, how attack was born. Yeah, that and that has to be important, right? Because if if there's just one organization out there that's holding all the secrets, or you know, mangs, making uh, other organizations pay to play, right? Hey, if, if yep. you want to know how this works, you're going to have to pay us. They're they're not really much much better than the attackers that are you know exploiting those customers financially or by other means any either. So 
it, it kind of makes sense that it would be open knowledge and, and, you know, just like, like the CVEs, right? CVEs are, are public, uh, publicly accessible and they're out there to show the, the owners of those products as well as the c- consumers of those products. Hey, this is the, um, this is the threat level. This is the impact it has. This is, you should really consider, you know, taking care of this or patching it, removing it, whatever. So pretty cool stuff. Tom, I don't know if you had any uh, questions or anything you wanted to add. Yeah. So how <clears throat> does, you know, how does the, the MITRE attack framework differ or maybe overlap with like stuff like what Talos does or like even like an MSI sack. So how, how does, you know, is there overlap? Is there collaboration there? So, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll take a stab at it and Keith will be the smart guy who comes in and tells me where I'm wrong. But <laughs> so, so, you know, we've, Talos is full of awesome threat researchers. There's, you know, there are competing threat research organizations that do some tremendous work. Um, but their their primary duty, right, is to improve the value of Cisco or, you know, whoever they belong to and to differentiate them and to, you know, in the case of Talos, help make the detections we have in our products better. So they're doing things that are geared towards, okay, how can we not only be the thought leaders in, you know, cybersecurity, but make the detections that go inside our secure suite of products, whether it's endpoint firewall, all that stuff, do their gig. Um, what's different about this and, and kind of complementary here is, is that MITRE doesn't have a product that they sell like this. Uh, so they're taking stuff that is public domain, uh, which is probably just the tip of the iceberg. The threat intelligence agencies and organizations like Talos or like the NSA or like, you know, Pan Unit 42 or any of those places, right, CrowdStrike, they're all going to have a, you know, much vaster number of of data sources to pull from internally Um, but what's really cool about it is seeing these organizations talos included starting to write their public facing stuff with ties and references to the mitre attack framework so that the parts that we are willing to share the parts that aren't you know proprietary or aren't you know big differentiators we're sharing so that we can help enhance and give back to that uh, attack database so, I mean, there's, there's overlap, Keith? but yeah. No corrections. Um, but what, what I would add is what's exciting to see is uh, you mentioned, you know, Talos working with uh, with our internal product management teams to, to kind of take what MITRE has done and then use that in our products. So, for example, let's say Secure Endpoint um, detects a, um, I don't know, a, cre- a credential uh, dumping attack or something like that. Um, well, where where does that event fall on the MITRE ATT&CK framework? And what's what's great about that is we will actually call that out. We'll we'll say, okay, that was um, uh, that was tactic zero zero three, um, and that was technique TA, et cetera, uh, whatever the nomenclature may be. And so that way, you could start to actually plot where the different events that are detected. Um, plot those on the MITRE ATT&CK framework. And then what happens when you start to plot certain tactics? It may lead to um, a certain threat actor. So one thing that's pretty cool is, is starting to, to align the tactics and techniques that are detected in your environment to what's seen on the global threat landscape in terms mm-hmm. of what, what's happening. That's interesting. 
So we have so we have the MITRE attack framework that is is published, and, and that's that's a question. So is is it published out? Is it is it it's just public domain? It's it's out there for people to see. It's a yeah, it's a whole suite of things, right? I mean, they they release it. There's an interactive matrix that kind of acts as the the home of it. So if you go to attack.mitre.org, uh, you can actually see it there and see all the old versions. And they'll catalog things. You can go through and pick through whether you're looking for certain APTs and groups or software packages or different tactics and techniques that are in use, mitigations that you might be interested in. And you can go through there. But you know, along with that, they, they've done a great job of making it super consumable. So yeah, you can go into that web page and do everything, but you can also, you know, leveraging APIs, you can, you know, query into that database and, and pull things out. Mm. Uh, you can build mappings. You know, they've provided a ton of tools and there's a whole ecosystem of open source tools built around mapping the detections you have versus the techniques you might see. And, you know, they've also uh, got a ton of great literature there that isn't just informative and helping you grasp MITRE attack, but it helps you learn what a threat researcher is doing to better understand the adversaries. And for me, that's been, I think, one of the most awesome and interesting parts of, of what MITRE's done with attack and what all the contributors have done is kind of getting some insight, not just into how the attackers' brains work, but the threat researchers going after them. Like, what is it they're looking for? You know, what are the unique you know, nerd knobs and, and, and fingerprints that they're using to identify, oh, that's, you know, that's SVR and, you know, that's, that's, you know, deep panda and that's this and that's that. I mean, it, there's a whole lot of cool cloak and dagger stuff that goes into it that this really gives you a peek into. So I think that's, what's really neat about it is, is you can, if you're into reading white papers, great. They've got conferences like AttackCon. Those are awesome too. Um, there's a whole host of different open source projects you can use and and that have been released to help you map, to help you test, to help you mock up what APTs are doing, and to help you actually vet the protections you've put in place, which I think is really awesome. So that that would really be one of the end goals, right? To just be able to look at what's happening and make sure that the the protections that you have in place are actually looking for the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I think they define four major use cases. Okay. And it certainly started out as kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a threat research slant. You know, it was very academic in its early stages for those who were looking for attribution and looking to better understand the adversaries. Uh, but then we started to see immediate gains with folks who were right detections. So that would be like product groups within Cisco or any of our competitors using the Intel gained from that so that they could, you know, better protect against each of those techniques. And then, you know, we've seen it evolve from there to now, you know, certainly red teams want to use it because if you want to deliver an accurate, you know, awesome uh, emulation of an adversary, you, you figure out who it is somebody really should be scared of and you come in and you pretend to be them, you know, right. that the actual definition of a red team. Um, but I think one of the most interesting use cases and one I'm certainly a big fan of is is something that kind of, I think, snuck in under the radar for a while, which is the, you know, actually evaluating gaps within your environment and using it to proactively close the gaps. So don't mm -hmm. wait until a pen test gives you a big, you know, big fat F or or, or uh, fails you or you get, you know, red on a, on a chart. 
let's go through and actually use it to methodically go through, evaluate your threat picture, figure out where those holes are, and then close them and know that you're not just closing them on paper, but have something to back it up. And I think that's that's the use case I think most useful to most of you know our customers, most of the people you know listening probably is that that last use case. Keith, anything to add? That is a fantastic segue into purple teaming, in my opinion. Mm. So one of one of the um, this is uh, news you can use. One of the events that's kind of uh, being baked right now is is a um, a purple team exercise. Um, coordinated with the customer by Cisco. And what what we do is we pick a tactic out of the MITRE ATT&CK framework, and then we select a, a couple techniques. And what we do is we emulate that tactic in a controlled environment with, with our um, security tools in place. So for example, we would have secure endpoint installed uh, on our target machine. We would follow the MITRE ATT&CK framework to emulate that tactic, and then we would see how it responds. And so to Mike's point, um, this happened uh, last week with a customer. We were able to identify a gap because the technique was successful. It was successful successful because they they were in audit mode, so they weren't, they weren't protecting. Yep. So that was a very easy fix to say we, we did detect the technique. However, it was able to um, proceed because – we weren't stopping anything. You're in you're in audit mode, right? Kind right. of just telling you what we're detecting. So um, I think um, using the MITRE ATT&CK framework to do just what Mike said, uh, identify gaps. I think purple teaming is a fantastic way um, to do that because the the hard work is already done for you of of identifying what uh, behaviors you need you need to run in your environment. Um, and you know, again, purple teaming, running it in a controlled um, lab type environment where you're not going to hurt anything if you uh, if you dump LSAS credentials, for example. But we can you can try it, see what detections show up, and and make those corrective actions as you go. Nice. I think I think purple teaming is something. I think all of it is something more organizations are starting to do, starting to invest more resources into, whether that's you know, hiring people, contractors, whatever, uh, they're starting to realize that this is something that they need to, to look into. I mean, it's every day, something on the news. I was watching the the TV this morning, which I don't normally do, but I was waiting for a, a ride from the car dealership after I dropped off my car. And they were talking about the gas line that they had to shut down because of, mm-hmm. of an attack, right? Every single vertical, every single organization, you're at risk. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. I've seen large organizations get hit. I've seen small ones get hit. And it's being able to identify those gaps, close them before someone that has, you know, malintent is going to find them for you <laughs> and let you know, right? Yep, exactly. It's a, it's a lot smaller price to pay if you can uh, pay a consultant to, to find them or figure them out on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting stuff. I think that's, you know, one of the hardest parts of doing that is, is getting to that point where you have enough to work from. And I think that's what MITRE ATT&CK does for us is it really opens that up, you know, brings it to the masses, makes it a lot easier to consume because the, the expensive parts hiring all those threat researchers that can educate you on the bad guys. And, you know, now 
now you have resources that can do that for you. So, right. And that, that was what I was going to ask you is, um, from the consumption side, right. Going to the MITRE attack website, um, that really, this is for really all the levels, right? You can, you can dive in as deep as you really want to go, but if you're just getting started and want to learn the techniques, the things that you need to be uh, focused on to study in, this is a good starting place as well, correct? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, maybe backing up a little bit to help people understand, right. The, the various depths that they can pursue. I mean, um, when I first started looking into MITRE attack is kind of this like little side hobby thing. I was overwhelmed because I went straight to techniques. And, and when you back up and you understand, you know, tactics are the 12 or 14 now objectives, goals that somebody might have and the techniques fit into those categories. And those are the ways you can achieve that goal. Or those are actual technical implementations that allow them to get closer to that goal. That I think is where a lot of us are getting tripped up. That's where a lot of our customers maybe get overwhelmed is when they see that there's 400 plus techniques and sub-techniques. Oh, you know, holy cow, what do we do with that? <laughs> um, but one of the things that I think has been really cool, uh, you know, on the Cisco side of things is we've we've realized that pretty quick. And while we're certainly mapping to TTPs inside of our products, like, you know, Keith was talking about with within, you know, secure endpoint, or if you look at our secure network or secure cloud analytics, those are both now mapping to TTPs. But as far as guidance to the customers, for the people who maybe don't want to dive down that deep, backing up to mitigations, which provide coverage of all those techniques, but in a much more consumable and mappable way, I think is a, is a great compromise there because instead of worrying about 400 plus, you know, sub techniques, now you're worried about 41 or, or 44 different mitigations. And those mitigations, half of them are actually hygiene type of things. They're what you get out of the, you know, critical security controls from Center for Internet Security, or they're what you get out of, you know, just good best practice based implementation. And so what that leaves you with is, okay, you know, where do we, where are these technical controls that help us achieve the, the last 20 or so mitigations? And when you look into those mitigations, that's one of the things that's awesome about how they've laid out attack. You can dive into those mitigations and see all the techniques they cover mm. and see all the ways that they help out. And so then the question be, you know, isn't, hey, how do we get full coverage of 400 plus techniques? It's how do we get good broad coverage and tune it against the threats we should see in our picture? And I think the most fun part of attack and probably the least relevant to get started is looking into and geeking out on, oh, what's APT28 doing? Or how's, you know, how does, you know, Fin4 do their thing? But, you know, once once you've gotten your head wrapped around what you have, then you start looking at now, who do I care about? Who's my threat? And so right. pipeline companies, you can bet they're going to be looking at dark side and saying, mm, that's in my threat picture now. And they're going right. to be worried about what's, you know, how do those TTPs line up with the, you know, the, the cyber kill chain? And, you know, how do we interrupt that in as many places as possible? Um, but it, that's a lot easier to do when you understand what you already have, where that coverage is. And now you're just focused in on where the, where the, where the fuzz or the fog is within your coverage. Yeah, scat scat has been a big thing, right? All those those controls because I I know um, you know, obviously the pipeline that we talked about, but there's been other other things in the news, right? For uh, there was a water treatment plant, I believe that they made some adjustments and they were going to put way too much of this particular chemical into the drinking water, you know, and it was 
bad hygiene. It was using third-party remote tools, allowing contractors to come in. In fact, it was, it was funny you mentioned the audit mode. I had a customer who um, we had sold. I'll call it what it was, AMP for endpoints, secure endpoint, right? We talked about that. You slapped me on the wrist for that one last time. <laughs> he had installed it, and uh, the whole reason was because they didn't, you know, they obviously wanted to uh, st- uh, strengthen their security. And there was a developer on the team that had come in last minute and he's like, this is a Linux system. It's secure. This is a a proprietary ERP system. No one's going to hack it. Like, come on, like you, you don't need this. You're fine. This is a lot of money, which it wasn't, but you know, this is a lot of money and, and you don't, you don't need it. Well, we convinced them otherwise and we put everything in place, but then I got the dreaded phone call, Brian, we've been breached. We got ransomware. What's where, where'd you get it? On that ERP server, <laughs> that that box that that developer said no one would ever hit, no one would ever want it, no one would ever touch it, was the one that got infected, and it got infected because um, the the endpoint solution was in audit mode. We figured that out pretty quickly. What was a huge like, oh my god, you've got to be kidding me! Moment was when we found out that the reason the the point of entry, which we were able to figure out by going through the dashboard and looking at the entry point, seeing where everything came through. We found the username that was logged in, the time, everything. It was actually through the remote desktop connection that was set up for the parent company to be able to log in to make any changes they needed to for that particular software. And it was always on. The parent company got attacked. They got infected. And all those companies that they monitored and managed were the ones that ended up getting infected. And we've seen this time and time again, right? The Wendy's hack, I think uh, Target was something with the HVAC contractors. It's always your weakest point of entry. And those are the places where the attackers are looking. And I assume that that's uh, that the MITRE attack framework goes into that a bit too, right? I, you know, I don't think that they play a whole lot. And keep, correct me if I'm wrong. I, they don't play favorites and they certainly don't, Try to tell you, hey, this is where 90% of the threats come in, or this is, you know, this is attack vector, you know, number seven on the top 10 or anything like that. I'm sure there's interpretation of, you know, the matrix that happens after the fact and that people might go to cons and stuff and talk about it. Um, but I, I think, you know, to your point, right, the the vectors can be whatever the bad guys need. And so, right. you know, they don't want to downplay, well, this vector here, it's, you know, bottom three, you, you'll rarely see it. You, you may be in that segment or that vertical or that geography where guess what? That's the bread and butter of your, your main adversary. That's so the number one. Yeah. That's, that's numero uno. And so I, I think they try very hard to stay away from the metrics. They do tell you what a lot of the data is that feeds into it. You know, for years, for, for the first seven versions, like the heavy focus was on EDR data and, and, you know, and, OS logs, you know, syslog type stuff. Um, you know, they've broadened that quite a bit in the last two or three years so that they can include NDR and firewall and, you know, other forms of telemetry because we all realize that, hey, if they've compromised the endpoint, you know, there's only so much you can rely on endpoint telemetry. Right. Um, but, uh, it, you know, that's why we're seeing the move towards XDR as an industry is, is we're starting to realize that you need multi-factor correlated detection and you need it across, you know, as many techniques are as applicable to you. 
So, right. Um, anything you've got is fair game. You know, <clears throat> anything within your environment is fair game, no matter how rare you think it is. Yeah. No, that's that's a hundred percent. Well, I just I just meant from a hygiene standpoint, right? Like making sure that vendors that need remote access that it's under more control, do a do a multi factor wherever you can, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, leaving leaving always on connections or uh, something along those lines. In fact, we had another customer who they had a remote desktop. They used their RDP domain controller. The What's that? <laughs> RDP is the devil. So. Yeah, but it was their it was on their domain controller. And they were using RDP on it for, uh, what was it, uh, tel- uh, terminal services. Yeah. And they got infected. And then they built the server the same way. And I was like, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's take these roles and, and, and separate them a little bit. If, if you need to have this for this, let's make sure that we put in the safeguards where we need to separate those roles so that if that box blows up, we can rebuild it easily. Bl- you know, blowing up and rebuilding a domain controller, that's, that's a bit more of a heavy lift and not something you want to do on a regular basis. <laughs> Tom, I'll open it up if you have any questions, anything you want to you want to add there. No, I wanted to point out that uh Mike, I know you, you've done a couple of Cisco live sessions around Miter Attack, correct? I have. Yep. I don't know if you want to yeah, so, yeah, give a little pitch to to our listeners on that. Yeah, I mean it just started out as a, a curiosity. It probably still is a curiosity for me rather than an official gig, but um, you know, in 2019, I did a session that was called Bears, Dukes, Kittens, and Pandas. And it was kind of making fun of the fact that there was, you know, all these funny names we're reading about in the news, right? And um, and, and kind of just trying to demystify it a little bit. And so that, you know, based on that session and some of the great feedback I got from folks, I decided with the new digital format to, to deliver a, a, you know, different experience. And so the latest one, which the... Um, you know, the folks with Cisco Live Passes for the digital experience can see right now, and as of June, I think it's June 2nd or something like that, everybody can see, is uh, one that's actually just about evaluating gaps uh, within, you know, within your architecture. So concentrating on that fourth use case. And uh, I got a lot of, actually got a lot of help from Keith kind of bouncing ideas off of him because he's, you know, he's he's been seeing a lot of this and he's been working, you know, hands on with it. And so the session focuses, you know, first on how do you quickly, you know, take that that available matrix and see both your threats and your assumed detections. And then, you know, the second uh, of the three stages of the presentations, how can you use some of the Cisco tools we sell to very quickly, you know, map alerts and alarms and events that you've detected to the TTPs that are in use. And so I go through, you know, AMP, Secure Endpoint, um, Secure Cloud Analytics, and uh, I believe it's uh, Orbital, actually. I use Orbital Search, which is a great, you know, uh, capability that comes along with the uh, Secure Endpoint's Advantage product. Keith, Keith covered that a um, lot last time, and that that blew me away. That was... That it's, was uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, you turn is. every endpoint into a searchable, queryable database that you can say, what did they do to you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, you would point and point and point here. Where did they, you know, where did they yeah. hit you, you know? And, um, and, you know, it was fantastic. And then the third phase, I actually was just having fun with in the, in the presentation. Um, Miter, along with that, you know, awesome spirit of, you know, sharing is caring, provides a project called Caldera, which is actually an emulation platform. 
And what's really neat about Caldera is you can use it to red team yourself. Don't recommend anybody do that in production, but if you've got a representative lab, it's really interesting to have your tools, you know, running in that in that sandbox environment and then to use MITRE Caldera to come in and actually run a red team op against you. And it will go through and you can model the adversaries any way you like. Maybe they're heavy on the, the lateral movement. Maybe they're more all about enumeration and they're going to sell your data later. Or maybe you've got a specific, you know, bad guy that you're you're looking at, um, you know, or bad actor that you're looking at emulating. You can go through and model that with all that TTPs from MITRE ATT&CK. And it, it's got a plug-in module from, um, it's, you know, Atomic Red Team, Red Canary, open source effort, which is also really awesome, by the way, um, that helps you very quickly understand, you know, okay, I'm really worried about, you know, this particular APT. How are they going to attack me? Stage it, launch it against your environment. And you can even use it for purple team ops in that you can integrate blue team tools to it and see how they go tit for tat. And actually, you know, we ran this. Did you see it? We ran that. Did you see it? And it can very quickly help you close those gaps and, and uh, tune your detections and, um, you know, help you figure out where your blind spots are. So it was a, it was a fun experience, a little weird doing it digitally as opposed to, you know, running it uh, in person. But um, very much looking forward to taking that one to one of the live Cisco lives at some point, because I, I think it was, you know, it was a lot of fun on my end. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the viewers think. But yeah, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> We have to check that out. I, I haven't I haven't got a chance to check out your session yet, but I am um I'm intrigued. So Keith, yeah. uh how did it feel to have a lot of your, your work stolen by Mike and then used uh for a Cisco Live presentation? I was just gonna say it was phenomenal. <laughs> I uh I got to I got to uh view the sessions and uh, I learned a ton. I, I haven't played much with Caldera, so it was really uh, eye opening there. Um but you know, to the to the point we're just talking about um, kind of backing in to minor attack framework. I think um, a cool use case, and I've, I do this all the time, is um, we'll hear about something in the news. I think one of those um, we hear about all the time is uh, threat actors using Cobalt Strike. And so I don't really need to know what Cobalt Strike is, but I can go to the MITRE ATT&CK framework, look in their, in their software repository. Oh, I see what Cobalt Strike is now. More importantly, who's using it? Oh, APT29. Okay, what's that? APT29, um, Russian intelligence. Okay. Um, and so you kind of can create that picture of uh, of your own, you know, what's important to you in terms of a threat landscape. Um, and then kind of get into the whole, let's emulate it, let's close our gaps and, and see, where, see where we have uh, gaps of detection and, and protection. So I think it's just a phenomenal tool to be able to um, just to to learn more. And the fact that it's, um, you know, like you said, Mike, sharing is caring, right? Um, being able to grow as a security analyst by using this tool, it's just been phenomenal. And so, um, yes, I will get him back for <laughs> taking my stuff. I'm kidding. He didn't take any of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any stuff to take. <laughs> Just, just knowledge. Now, and, I, and don't don't be worried about calling out APT29 what it is. I don't think we have a lot of downloads in Russia, so if we lose that segment of, uh, of the globe, Oops. I think it'll... Oh, you didn't hear, Brian? We're number one over there now. <laughs> Actually, I think we did get up on the list in Ukraine, but not going Public there. Public knowledge. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're not we're not selling any state secrets here. Um, but no, I think I think that's that's eye opening. I'm uh, I know I'm going to be checking that out. Now is is Caldera? Is that like a is it a is it a VM? Is it a software? Is it a cloud service? Like wh- what is it exactly? Yeah, it's just I mean it's just an open source. Uh, you get it off GitHub. Uh, you pull it down. Uh, you run it as a web service. Log into it, and you're given a portal. And you know there are organizations that use it at great scale. Obviously, labbing around and goofing off with it like I was. I mean, it's it's very lightweight. Uh, but what it really does is it goes through and it provides you with a, a a GUI, you know, web portal that you can use to set up your mm-hmm. your test environment, understand, you know, which agents you want deployed and then decide what you want done with them. And it will completely automate the delivery of the attack from there. Nice. So it's, you know, fairly light lift and there's an, a whole lot of, of great resources on YouTube and you know the blogosphere there that really can help in getting you getting your feet wet. Now I should point out, I mean, there's for for every miter caldera, there's another thirty or forty awesome tools out there, and it really just comes down to you know what your use case is, what you're comfortable with, and what you want to get out of it. Right. Um, one of the other tools that I, I made use of on the on the first phase when we were talking about. You know, MITRE provides you with what they call the attack navigator, which lets you very quickly build your own custom matrices. Um, But if you're trying to manage, okay, well, here's what I'm scared of, and then compare it against here's what I think I can detect. There's actually an open source tool called Detect um, that allows you to, you know, go in and define your different detections. It's got default settings for here's what I should see from Sysmon and Windows logs, and here's what a a network intrusion detection system will show me and here's what a <clears throat> you know DLP tool will show me and here's what you know and you can layer those and then build your own page in the attack navigator and then it's a you know it's a simple mathematical operation in navigator to say take tab a subtract tab b you know tab c is my gaps and you can go from there and do all kinds of fun things and it's a great workspace for working with management or the rest of your team so that you can all have that common picture of, hey, what's going on? You can download it into Excel. Uh, they With version 9, they've actually built a whole bunch of, you know, Excel integration type stuff so that it's now much more full featured. Uh, but the, the point is, is that they're trying very hard to make it so that anybody can use it in whatever way they can imagine and that it's free and open so that you can take it and run with it. And so we, you know, I know of uh, colleagues who have customers that are doing amazing things with MITRE ATT&CK and using it to drive their entire SOC approach and their incident response, you know, plans and everything. And it's it's phenomenal to see. And they use that as a, you know, they use that as an important framework, just as if it was any of your more, you know, procedural or, or governance type frameworks. They MITRE ATT&CK helps drive how things you know, are done within the organization. So it's pretty slick. Nice. Tom, any other questions you had? I don't. It's awesome stuff, guys. Yeah, this is great. And I, I appreciate the coverage on this. I mean, this I think this is one of the few episodes we've ever done where it's not just focused on something Cisco related, right? Obviously, there's there's some benefits that we can offer. There's some integration points, which, of course, any security company would be doing so and be taking advantage of the knowledge gained uh, by the and shared by the MITRE ATT&CK uh, framework. Um, 
So it's it's cool that we were able to dive into this, and I appreciate both your time. Um, I'll just bring it around for any final um, final thoughts, uh, closing thoughts here, closing arguments. Uh, Keith, I'll I'll start with you, man. Since this was uh, this was your idea, if there was anything else that you wanted to cover, now's the chance. Well, so this was my idea because um, Mitre, um, they were they were kind of in the news, I guess, what two weeks ago or so. They they uh, they also do um, evaluations. And so um, um, vendors can um, sign up to be part of that evaluation. Um, so Cisco was, and uh, we we had our uh, secure endpoint product as part of the evaluation. Um, and it, it's great that we've finished with this during the podcast because we've kind of explained what they did. Uh, they they emulated uh, two adversaries. Um, they built up their environment and they ran these um, attacks using the MITRE ATT&CK framework um, to to um, basically see how uh, a vendor uh, would react to those TTPs. Um, now, they, they definitely do not um, provide like a ranking or a, or a, uh, you know, like a, like a magic quadrant. Um, that's not, that's not what they're trying to do. Um, but it was, um, it was fun to kind of deep, uh, dive deep into the, um, the results. They're, they're there for everyone to see um, and, and kind of find out where, um, where the product that you have in place, um, where, you know, how they do against, uh, those types of, um, evaluations. So that's, that's why I came to you with this, Brian, uh, that was fresh in my mind and I thought it'd be great to, uh, get some information out about what MITRE ATT&CK is, um, and then kind of tie it off with, um, you can check out how we did, um, on the MITRE, but it's actually MITRE Ingenuity is the, uh, spinoff from MITRE that does the evaluations. Cool. We'll be sure to post links to that and everything we talked about. Um, but that's that's great too because we spent the first part of this of this episode just going over what it does and understanding the value, uh, right? Because if you just told me, "Hey, you can go check out how we did uh, on the Mitre Ingenuity," I'd be like, "All right." What cool. does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, those are was... those are some high numbers, I suppose. I, th- I I guess that's good. Is 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 high good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, um, no I'm, that was, I'm, this I'm glad you mentioned perfect. it. Yep. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Keith, for, for that. And uh, of course, for all your input there. Really appreciate it. Happy uh, Mike, here. I'll turn it to you. And uh, any uh, final thoughts, closing arguments? <laughs> yeah, I would just encourage people to engage with it. I think this, you know, we get lulled in this industry, especially in cybersecurity, into thinking that we've got these really boring frameworks over here and we've got these test results or quadrants or, you know, lab, you know, bake-offs over here and that we're really just, you know, innocent bystanders or, or, you know, kind of kept out of that. And I think what's really neat about attack is that it's bringing those two things together and making us a key part of it. At the, at the end of the day, this is about enablement. Um, you know, the nice thing about having something like that, you know, that isn't pay to play or isn't, you know, is, isn't, you know, closed off is that everything's published and it's meant to educate you so that you can make your own decisions. They're not, you know, as Keith mentioned, they're not putting rankings and, and cramming them down your throat. They're forcing you to determine what means most to me, like what, what, ha- you know, helps here. And so I'm hoping that everybody here, even if you're not going to use these to actually actively evaluate your environments, use something like MITRE ATT&CK and the resources built around it just to better understand the bad people out there, the bad actors. And if we all do that, we all understand 
you know, what it is they're after and what they're doing, even if it's just at a tactics level, what are they trying to accomplish? If we understand that, we'll all stand a better chance against this constant onslaught of, of front page headlines and really discouraging, you know, cyber attacks here. So that's that's my big takeaway. It's it's fun, but it's also critically important that we all get on board with understanding the bad guys. All I can picture right now, and I wish I could I do it, I probably I'm not no, muted. There you go. You can, there you go. <laughs> All I can picture right now, uh, now that you say that, is just the um, the star going across the screen. The more you know, right? <laughs> da, 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 da. right? There you go. Knowledge is power. Sharing is caring. Those are the two uh, buzzwords of the uh, or buzz phrases of the episode. But Mike, Keith, thank you again both for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you, uh, Tom. Thank you also, and thank you, listener for listening to Confrontee with URSE. Be sure to uh, check out the show notes. We're going to put all the links to uh, everything mentioned in there, uh, as well as the social medias where you can follow us, follow Mike, follow Keith, bug them. Uh, please definitely bug Mike, because um, I know how much he loves it. <laughs> but thanks for listening, and uh, stay safe out there, and don't forget to save that config. <laughs>